Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are so many great things going on at Collective right now, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. It is the second week of our series called Game Changer, and while the imagery is game-changing sports moments, those aren't the only game changers out there. One of the biggest game changers for my family right now is grocery store pickup. This thing is incredible. We go on an app, we order groceries, we pay for them, and then we pick them up without ever having to go into a grocery store. This is a dream come true, especially for an introvert. I I legitimately, some of you, I don't understand why you go to the grocery store anymore. Why do you pick things out and put them in a cart? Don't do that. Just go and do grocery store pickup. Before this app, we would try to go grocery shopping with our kids. And instead of getting milk, eggs, and toilet paper, you know, the things we needed, we would always end up with fruit roll-ups and receive cereal and like 10 pounds of cheese sticks. But the real reason this is a game changer for us is because it saves us time. We have an incredibly busy schedule, and grocery store pickup makes things a little less chaotic and gives us more time together as a family. Sure, sometimes we ask for avocados and they give us limes instead because they're both green, but we don't really care. Here's another one, TSA PreCheck. If you have TSA Pre, you know what I'm talking about. This allows you to skip security lines at airports. You go straight into the x-ray lines. I don't have to take off my shoes. I don't have to take off my belt. I don't have to put my laptop out of my bag and put it on the belt anymore because I have TSA Pre. A little over a year ago, I was flying to Kansas City, and my timing got all screwed up, and I got down to BWI late. And so by the time I parked and got on the bus to bring me to my terminal, I had about 45 minutes to get through security and get onto my flight. And I got through security, got Starbucks, because the Starbucks app, game changer, and I still had 33 minutes to spare. You know, one thing that I'm unapologetically passionate about is helping men find and grow in their faith. And because this is true, it impacts everything we do at Collective. It impacts what and how we talk about things on Sunday morning. It impacts how we serve the community. It impacts why we're making bacon in the parking lot, the type of small groups we offer when we, uh, when we offer them, uh, the music our band plays, the volume at which our sound system is set at. In fact, about once a year, someone will come and find me after the lobby, after service, and they'll complain about how loud the music is. And I kind of have a go-to. So if you've been one of those people, you know what I'm about to say. I always say, it's, hey, it's a safe range. We test it, all that stuff. Um, but really, it's no louder than a movie theater. And it's quieter than what you listen to music on your headphones with. But what I really want to do is I want to line up all the wives who have come up to me over the years who have said, my husband actually worships here. And, and I never thought that would happen Or the wives who have told me, my husband wouldn't go to church before, and then I brought him here, and he loves this place. And that is because everything we do is geared toward men and helping them pursue Jesus. Because study after study shows that if we win men, we win everybody. And study after study shows that if men get healthy and become who God created them to be, it's a game changer. And so this series is a challenge and an encouragement for our men to be the kings and lovers and sages and warriors that God has called them to be, ultimately to be game changers. Because men, when we live that out, our marriages are healthier, our families are more stable, our church is more impactful, our community is safer. 
Last week, we kicked off this series with a theme verse. It comes from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and he finished this letter with with a one-liner encouraging men in that church, and he tells them this in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. If you weren't here last week, you didn't catch the podcast, I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen because that really does set the tone for what this week is in the next few weeks. And I know last week when I mentioned this series and I talked about it, there were some women in this room that were hesitant because it's a series geared toward men, and I, and I get that. But there isn't going to be a week where you leave thinking, I didn't get anything from that. And the reason I know this is true is because over the past six years, I've preached sermons that speak directly to men, including last week. And do you know who I get the most feedback from? Women. And they come up to me and they say, thank you. Thank you because nobody else is saying these things. Thank you because they had a man walk out on them and they have a teenage son who needs to hear this. Single ladies come up to me and say, thank you because what we're doing is we're trying to describe the men they want to marry one day. Single ladies, I'm trying to help you out, okay? I'm trying to raise these men up. But I want to encourage you to keep your standards high and keep pursuing Jesus. Just like last week, though, I want to talk to the women for a second. I I know that you know that this series is important. I also know that a lot of you are here and your husband is at home and you're not sure what to do. So let me share some wisdom from the Bible. Peter, Jesus' closest friend, wrote this to wives whose husbands were not following Jesus. And what he does is he actually starts by encouraging the wives to continue treating their husbands with honor, right? Continue to treat them as uncommon, ultimately treat them the way Jesus would want them to be treated. But then he says this in 1 Peter 3. He says, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lies will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. And ultimately what he's saying to wives is just keep following Jesus, Keep showing your husband grace. Keep showing them your transformed life. Keep praying for your husbands. And one day, one day, they will be won over. And my hope and my prayer is that when your husband shows up here one day, he walks into this room and he realizes that this is not his grandma's church, but it's a church that speaks to his soul. And it's a church that he knows that he can be a part of. Now, for those of you who are divorced, and you aren't ready or you don't want to put your heart into another marriage, or for those of you who don't believe marriage is in your future, this series isn't about how you need a man, right? that you are incomplete without a husband, because that isn't true at all. Paul says that singleness is a gift because you can devote yourself more to Jesus. And I know you're doing that, and so I just want to encourage you to keep going that way. And one last thing to the women of Collective, I know that some of you are getting really fired up when it comes to your own faith, and so I just want to keep encouraging, if you are ready to take next steps, do it. Last week, when we talked about baptism, multiple women checked the box to be baptized. And so just because I'm speaking directly to men doesn't mean that you won't be challenged and that you can't take next steps. So don't slow down your faith to let the men catch up. You keep going at the pace you're going, and I'm going to keep challenging our men to catch up to the faith that you have. Keep setting the pace. All right, so last week, I gave a parental advisory warning. This week, I'm giving you a spoiler alert. I'm about to ruin some things for you, uh, and I don't feel bad about it. Uh, One of the best shows on TV right now is Ted Lasso, and yep, and on Wednesday, the show had its season finale. 
Now, the rumors is that it might be the actual series finale, but I'm not ready to talk about that with you yet. Um, so by a round of applause, how many of you watched the show? Okay. If you intended to watch the show or still intend to, this will spoil it a little bit. It's not going to completely destroy it for you, but you should have watched it already because it's been out for many years. And so for those of you who watch the show, you know this is true. Um, have you noticed that the show isn't really about soccer? In fact, there are full episodes where they don't even like kick a ball, and you're just like, I thought this was a soccer show. But as, as you watch this show, and if you finished it this past week, one of the things you realize is that the show isn't about soccer, it isn't about AFC Richmond, it's about men becoming better versions of themselves. And there is a major thing in common with most of the male characters on this show. They have wounds from their father. Think about it. Ted's father's suicide when he was just a teenager led to him carrying wounds into his marriage, destroying that, carrying wounds into how he was raising his son, carrying wounds into how he was coaching the men on that team. Jamie Tart's father is an alcoholic, lying, manipulating abuser who constantly tells Jamie that he isn't good enough, isn't tough enough, and because of that, he isn't lovable. And throughout the entire show, Jamie fights to feel that unconditional love from a man that he longed for. And then there's Nate. Nate is the worst, okay? He was the worst, but he's still the worst in my book. But everything he does is in response to a father who is overbearing, unkind, and distant. And it's not even just ones who had bad fathers. You can talk about one of the best characters on the show, Sam. Sam has a wonderful relationship with his father. Season three had this incredible episode which showed that the love that he had from his dad. His father is loving and kind and believes in his son, but Sam still battles with whether or not he's living up to who his father wants him to be. And this show is a lot less about soccer and a lot more about these men trying to work through the wounds of their father. Right? And, and we watch as these wounds destroy parts of their life. They, they hurt their marriages and hurt their dating relationships. They hurt their careers, their mental health, everything. And this is just a TV show, but as someone who struggles with father wounds, I cried through the whole finale because you see that growth and you see that healing. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. As we continue this series, we're talking about the wounds from our father. You know, one thing uh, that I really suck at is naming my sermons. Um, I didn't know when you were a preacher you have to, like, name your sermons, and I, I just hate it. I'm not good at it. If you go and follow us on Spotify or YouTube, it lacks all creativity. Um, I can't think of cute names. I hate puns. Uh, every time CT gives a pun when he's hosting, I die in, I literally die inside. I cannot handle them. <laughs> And so I can't put like punny titles together, but I'm really proud of the title I gave this sermon today. Are you ready for it? Uh, I'm calling this one Daddy Issues. Yep. <laughs> because men, that's what we've got. Right? We, we've got these issues in our life. For better and worse, our fathers play a critical role in our life. Check out these stats. 90% of runaway and homeless children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavioral issues or disorders are from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescents in substance abuse treatment facilities are from fatherless homes. 70% of minors housed in state facilities are from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides happen in fatherless homes. But it's not just about fatherless homes. In, in fact, these same studies have found that having a non-present father, a father who doesn't show up, who, who doesn't really exist in your world, even though they're there, that is just as bad as having an absent father. And so I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you probably have some wounds from your father that you need to deal with. 
See, a foundational truth of the Bible is that we all fall short. And that means everyone in here, no matter how good or how terrible your father was, you had a father who fell short. Right? The Bible calls this sin. And if you don't deal with the reality that your father is imperfect and that that has had an impact on you, you cannot become the man that God wants you to be. You cannot become a healthy king, lover, sage, or warrior. And this will end up destroying every good thing in your life because you will make decisions out of these wounds. You will respond to pain out of these wounds. You will respond to fear out of these wounds. You will respond to trials out of these wounds. You will even respond to the good things in your life out of these wounds. Over the past six years, I've had too many conversations account in this church with men who are destroying their lives, whether that be through drugs and alcohol, through affairs, through passivity, you name it. And deep down inside, there is always a wound from a father, always. Wounds from feeling unloved and unwanted. Wounds from hearing or feeling the words, you aren't good enough, strong enough, smart enough, and tough enough. Wounds from failure. Whether that's actually failing at something or just the perception of failure that your father put on you. Wounds from him walking out and and telling you that you're the man of the house now, even though you were just a child. Wounds from verbal and physical and sexual and emotional abuse. Wounds from a father who is distant and uninterested and disengaged. Wounds from a father who is a coach, a teacher, a pastor, and those people watching them lead and love other kids in ways that they didn't get to experience at home. Wounds from a father who didn't show up, who didn't fight for their children, who didn't do the hard things that they needed to. Wounds from fathers that gave up who were addicted to alcohol or work or even themselves. And I've watched as these wounds have led to anger and fear and insecurity and passivity and the ability to be vulnerable, the ability to take ownership for mistakes, addictions, and so much more. And I do need to say this. uh, There are times that wounds come from mothers as well. A mother who is smothering or overbearing, a mother who is hypercritical, a mother who was emotionally abusive. It's not just dads that create these wounds, but even in the men that I've talked to have these deep-rooted mother issues. They still have deep-rooted wounds from their father as well. And really, they just have to start dealing with their mom first before they can move on to the heavier ones of their father. And the thing that really sucks about all of this when it comes to these wounds is that what happened to you wasn't your fault. You didn't ask for it. You didn't deserve it. You were just a kid. But you have to do the work to heal. You cannot let what happened to you or didn't happen to you impact who you are as a man, as a husband, as a friend, and most importantly, as a father. And so men, we need to heal. I need to heal. You need to heal. And really, this world, this culture needs us to heal. So here's the first thing I want you to write down this morning. Healing from our father wounds starts with forgiving our fathers. Healing from our father wounds starts with forgiving our fathers. You have to forgive your father for falling short, for the wounds that you are still navigating. If you've been at Collective for a while, you've done this with me before. Um, The word forgiveness means to let go or to release. And so do me a favor right now. um, Grab your hands and squeeze them as hard as you can. Right? Don't be gentle on it. Squeeze them as hard as you can. This is what unforgiveness feels like. Right? Do, you, do you feel that? Unforgiveness is like holding on to something as tightly as you can and never letting go. Holding on to that memory, 
that phrase, that moment, that wound. And this is how we live our lives when we choose not to forgive. Now tell me that when you live this way, this doesn't have an impact on your marriage. Right? Tell me this doesn't have an impact on your kids, on your relationships, on your career, on your faith, on your mental health. When you go through life living this way. Okay, now let go. Do you feel that? This is what forgiveness feels like. You feel that relief when the tension drops and the anger drops. And when you choose to forgive and let go, that is when you can begin to heal from your father wounds. But if you continue to go through life like this, you will never let go. You'll never feel that peace. You'll never experience that healing. And I know uh, every, time, every time I do this, people, people won't do it. I can see you guys. I can, I can see you not doing this. And I know some of you are not doing this because you don't want to forgive your father. You want to hold on to this for the rest of your life. You want this to be the filter in which you live your life. And the reason why is because I don't know what he did and I don't know what he said and I don't know what it was like living in a house with him. And you're right, I don't, I don't know. I've heard stories from men in this church about what their childhood was like and it is awful. Really, the best way to describe it is that it was a nightmare. But I know that some of you are waiting for your father to apologize, to own the wounds and scars, and to be the father that you needed him to be and that you longed for him to be. And the thing is, that might never happen. So if you are waiting for your father to heal those wounds for you, you could be holding on to that for a really long time. So it's on you to forgive so you can move forward. You can't do anything to control what he does, but you can control exactly how you live your life. Right? You have to do the work so you can heal, so you can stop those wounds from being the filter in which you experience the world. Now, I want to take a moment and step aside uh, and speak to our older men for a minute. And this isn't coming from a place of having adult children, because I don't. My girls are only eight and four, and so I'm saying this from a place of being a wounded son. Older men... And I would say if you have middle schoolers and above, that's, that's who I'm talking to right now. One of the best things you can do as a father is to apologize to your kids. It's to sit down and ask them to be honest and vulnerable about the wounds they have and just for you to humbly listen without defensiveness, without trying to justify, without trying to change their minds. And this is a tough thing to do because we have to be humble enough to do it. And it's hard for us to own our mistakes. It's hard for us to let down those walls. It's even harder when we try to give our kids a better life than what our parents gave us. Right? And so many of us are doing that. We set the bar going, I was better, or and I am better than my father. But the bar cannot be set by how our dads treated us. We have to set a new bar and then work to raise it even higher if we want good things to happen. I know at some point my girls are going to go to therapy and they're going to talk about me. Uh, Ray and I joked that we're setting aside money right now so that they can do that. But one of the best things I can do for them as their father is to heal as a person so that I don't respond to them out of my own insecurity, out of my own brokenness, out of my own wounds. So men with older kids, choose humility, choose grace, choose the teachings of Jesus and reach out and sit down with your kids this week and let them know that you know that you fell short. Even if it was unintentionally, you know that you fell short and say that you are sorry. And men with younger kids start building the culture now of apologizing to your kids when you mess up. Don't force your kids to heal from their father wounds as an adult without you. 
Now, this is where it is actually easier to not follow Jesus than to follow Jesus. Right? There are times in our life when God asks us to do things that are harder by following him. And this is one of those things. If you are not a Christian, you have every right to just write your dad off. You get to walk out, give up, throw in the towel, numb yourself to the past, just pretend it never happened. But when you're a follower of Jesus, it means that you can't choose unforgiveness. That, that's not a choice that we have on the table, and that's because Jesus doesn't choose that for us. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So for those of us who follow Jesus, we forgive others because we have been forgiven. Unforgiveness isn't an option on the table for us. And so we have to wrestle with this. We have to deal with this. We have to take these steps. And, And just to be clear... Forgiving your father doesn't mean that you have to have a relationship with him. Forgiving your father also doesn't mean pretending like it never happened. It's not this forgiving and forgetting thing. Those are both toxic. You don't do, have to do those things. But forgiveness means letting go so that you can have that hard conversation with him that you've been needing to have for years. Forgiveness means letting go so you can actually lower the expectations you have of the type of father that he is. And I know that sounds weird to hear, but the truth is we, we give expectations to our Father, and a lot of those expectations are good. A lot of those come from God. But when they're not meeting them, it is okay to lower those expectations and realize they're just a flawed human being, that they're a part of your life but not really an important part of your life. It, it means letting go so you can put up boundaries to limit how much physical or emotional or mental time you give them. It means letting go so that you can reframe how you see him. Since starting Collective, uh, I've been really honest about my dad wounds. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I talked about bitterness and uh, how this was something I held on to for over 20 years of my life because of the wounds. And forgiving my father has been a journey. And one of the parts of forgiveness I had to deal with was accepting the reality that there were good things that my dad did for me because it's really easy to focus on the negative. Right before Collective launched, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And for those of you who have father wounds and your father is sick or you lost your father, you know how complicated it is to wrestle with these things when they're not around or you know they're not gonna be around anymore. And at the time, we didn't have a good relationship and it had been years because when they split up, I was in high school, uh, it just really messed me up. And so at this time of my life, about six years ago, I began working through these trust issues and through my anger issues and through my abandonment issues and through those feelings of not being good enough. I have all the dad things, okay? I have them all. But when I got the news he had cancer, uh, it, it just messed with me. And I remember driving to the hospital overcome with both sadness and anger. I was sad at the reality that at some point I was going to lose my father, but then I was mad because I felt like it was just another thing he was putting into my life. I was sad because I didn't want to care, and I did, and I was angry because I didn't want to care, and I did. And at that time, I was going to therapy every week, and almost every single conversation was about me dealing and healing with these wounds from my dad. And one of the things we talked about almost every week was how I longed for my father to give me words of encouragement. I just longed for my dad to say, you're good enough. I love you, I see you, I care about you because my top love language, the way I feel loved the most is words. The problem is that is not my dad's. 
And I knew that when I was in high school. I knew that as a young adult. And I knew that was true because my dad was never told by his father that he was loved. And so my therapist asked me one day, what if your father showed love to you in a different way? And me and my therapist are really close. And so I told him, I don't care what you're saying to me right now. Uh, because I don't care if he loved me in a different way because it wasn't what I needed. Right? It wasn't what I longed for. But he pressed in on me and asked, how do you think that your father shows love? And as I was wrestling with this, I came to the realization that the way my dad showed love to me was through acts of service. That's why he coached all my baseball teams. That's why he would stay early or come early and stay late for extra batting practice. That's why he would fix my bike when it fell apart. Here's the problem, though. I am not an acts of service person. And so I never felt loved when he did those things. I didn't even remember most of him doing those things. That next Sunday, after church, uh, we were tearing everything down and putting it away, and my dad was there. Um, it was in summer, and it was about 100 degrees outside. And, and I remember looking, we were in the West Frederick Middle School, I remember looking through the cafeteria windows outside, and there was my father, four months after a terminal cancer diagnosis, pushing a bin onto a trailer. And I wept. And here's what I'm getting at with this. In order to heal from the wounds of your father, you have to forgive him. And one of the things that will help you do that is to step back and choose to see the good that did happen. Right? Right? Most of us have at least one good thing that we can call back to. And I, when I look back at my life, I can see there's a life full of moments where my father showed his love for me, even if that's not how I truly felt loved. And even if that's not what I actually needed from him. And my guess is that you have some memories of your dad that would do the same thing. And working through that with my therapist is when I truly began to let go and truly began to forgive. Here's just a side note on this. Uh, and this is true if you're married or single or a parent. You need to take the time to learn how the people in your life feel loved. Because what so many of us long for from our Father is to be loved. But it's not just to be loved, it's to be known. And so, men, I just challenge you to get to know the people you love and show them love in the way that speaks to them not the way that's comfortable for you. And so we heal from our father wounds by choosing forgiveness, but here's another way that we do that. Healing from our father wounds means recognizing that God is the only perfect father. Probably my favorite moment in Jesus' life is when he gets baptized. It's the start of his ministry on earth, and I love this story so much um, that a few years ago, actually, this is where this tattoo comes from because it's one of my favorite stories and so Jesus is baptized the same way that we practice baptism. He, he's immersed in water. He's dunked in the Jordan River. He's not sprinkled as a baby. He's 30 years old when he does this. And he does this because in what he said in his own words is that he needed to carry out all that God required. Right? Jesus gets baptized because God asks him to and this is one of the reasons why we talk and encourage baptism as much as we do. That's why one of the challenges for this series is for men to take that step. It's to check the box. It's to get baptized, to do it in Father's Day in a few weeks. It's because Jesus was baptized. Jesus commanded baptism. Right? This isn't a collective thing. This is a Jesus thing. And I know that there are a bunch of men in this room right now who have never taken this next step out of fear out of insecurity, out of this desire to not be vulnerable, really oftentimes out of wounds from a father. And that's why I'm challenging to check that box, because now is the time. 
And this story right here is one of the reasons why, because of what happens right after Jesus comes out of the water. Check this out, Matthew 3, starting in 16. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And uh, this symbolizes the Holy Spirit in this story. But then it says in verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This isn't about God opening up the heavens because he is God. This is a father saying to his child, you are my son, I love you, and you bring me great joy. And men, isn't this the type of father that we want? One who looks at us and says, you are my son, I love you, and you bring me great joy. And what makes this even better is that God says this to his son before, right, before Jesus had done all of those miracles, before he'd walked on water, before he had raised people from the dead, before he healed the sick. He says, you are my son. I love you, and you bring me joy. You know, the number one reason why I love my kids has nothing to do with their performance. It's because they are mine. I love them because they are mine. I am just a broken, messed up, wounded person, just a regular father, and I know how to love my kids But guess what? God is so much better at this than I am. God is such a better father than I am. He's a much better father than the one that you had. God is the only perfect father, and he calls us his. He looks at us and he says, I love you, and you bring me great joy. John Eldridge writes this. He says, you are the son of a kind, strong, engaged father, A father wise enough to guide you in the way, generous enough to provide for your journey, offering to walk with you every step. This is perhaps the hardest thing to believe, really believe in your soul that you have a father who loves you. We know whether it's your earthly father or not, this is always true about God. Peter writes this in 1 Peter 1. He says, God, the father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. A good father chooses you. A good father does everything in his power to be present in his children's lives. He doesn't run out on his children. He doesn't abandon his children. He doesn't choose work over his children. A good father is there. A good father gives his children access to his presence, and God is a good father who chooses you. Imperfections and all, insecurities and all, doubts and all, wounds and all, he chooses you because he loves you. Galatians 1.4 says, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. So a good father rescues his children. A good father gives his children rules and guidelines, teaches them what not to do and what to do because he knows what's best for them. A good father protects his children by getting in between them and danger. And if they end up in trouble, a good father rescues his children. And so to fully understand this, we look to see what Jesus did. And what Jesus did on our behalf, he went before us. He went to the cross to protect us. He took the punishment that we deserve. He paid the price to deal with our sin finally and totally. Jesus was the perfect and sufficient sacrifice sent to rescue us from our sin because we couldn't rescue ourselves. And God did this because he loves you. Mark Moore wrote this. He said, God planned for you, then chose you, then forgave you. Hence, he will keep you. Man, God is the only perfect father, and he chooses us. He chooses you because he loves you, and you bring him joy. So I encourage you to live in that truth. Live with that power. Live holding on to that love, because when we do that, 
we become the men and the sons that God has called us to be. So men, let me ask you, when are you going to forgive your dad? Forgive him for a lifetime of failures. Forgive him for absence from your life, for that character flaw, for that one instance that bore itself into your heart, for being an uninitiated man and not doing the work to be the man of God that he was called to be. Listen, every dad falls short. Just like I had to do, my kids will have to forgive me someday for the ways that I screw things up. But here's what I've experienced, here's what I've seen, and here's what the Bible says. You have a father wound in your life. And because of that, you are not living as the man you are supposed to be, but there is someone who can heal it. And he sent his son to pay for your dad's shortcomings, and he's paid the price for your shortcomings as well. He'll give you grace and endless second chances. He will adopt you into his family. The Bible says that God will be a father to us, and we will be his sons and daughters. So men, it's time to heal. It's time to move forward. It's time to forgive our fathers and allow God to be the perfect father that our soul craves. It's time to let go and stop living life based on these wounds that you carry. Because imagine what a game changer it would be if we healed from these wounds. If we didn't live life out of these wounds that our father handed down to us, which was handed down from his father and his father. You are his son. He loves you and you bring him great joy. Let's pray. God, I don't think there's a single man in here, and really there isn't a single person in here that doesn't wrestle with wounds from a father. God, some of these wounds um, were intentional. Some of these wounds were unintentional. Some of us had absent fathers or fathers who weren't there. Some of us had great fathers. But because they were imperfect, there are wounds because there are times when they fell short, we feel that every single day of our life, and it is impacting everything that we do. And God, if we are being honest, we know, we know that this is destroying our ability to be full men of God. And so God, I pray today is a day where we begin to let go. Or maybe today's day where we've been wrestling this for a long time, and this is the final push that we need to forgive. Not to forgive and forget, not forgive and try to go back to things the way they used to be, but to forgive and move forward, to set a new bar, to release ourselves and our families from the generational, I did a little bit better than my father and I did a little bit better than my father. Because God, we don't want a little bit better. God, that's not what you want for us. And God, above everything, we're just thankful that even though our earthly father is imperfect, um, you are. And God, that we can always look to you of what does it look like to be loved by a good father, by a loving father, by a caring father, a father who looks down on us and says, I love you and you bring me great joy. So God, I pray as we wrestle with these things deep down in our souls, we wrestle with these wounds, we always hold on to your words. God, we see how much you love Jesus and we know that's how much you loved us. God, we thank you and we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.